welcome to Context Matters. I am Cindy Parker. This is the second part of the conversation with Dr. Mohea Kirianjaki, who is the assistant professor and the program coordinator for the Outdoor and Adventure Leadership Program at Honey Rock in Three Lakes, Wisconsin. Last week, Mohea told us stories about his growing up years and how leaving his parents' house marked the time when he also left his parents' religion. And I hear so many stories like this. It's honestly a part of my own story. And over the years, I have been thinking about how to help students go through this process of shaking off the belief of others and making their own faith decisions But how do we give them tools to help them navigate what really can be the rough waters of confronting the complexity of religion for the first time? Mohea has a fantastic idea, and I am excited to talk about it here. In this week's episode, Mohea and I start from where we left off last week. He was working at Knowles, but decided to leave in order to join a church in Nairobi, specifically to help the youth in his community. But I knew that I needed human mentoring. And uh, so eventually, um, when I was searching for a church that would accept me as one who would not be in church every Sunday. And a church in Nairobi, Nairobi Chapel, accepted me. At one time, I actually remember the senior pastor um, who is now Bishop Oscar Moreau, coming all the way out to where we lived uh, to just encourage my faith. And, uh, and he talked about an internship program that they had that was basically a discipleship training place. And I was given young youth ministry. And I was told, this is what you're going to do. I had no idea. I had no idea how to do youth ministry. And my mentors kept saying, you know, that story you just told of how God touched your heart. How can we do it with our youth? We have these issues with our Mm. youth, and this might sound familiar, but they go through primary school, and they're people of faith, and then they go to high school, and we lose them all. What is going on here? Maybe a little bit of, of what you experience might be good for them. Why don't you take them camping? And I said, I can do that. I have the skills to do that. And, um, but then within that context, there was a little, there was a lot of creativity that was required uh, just because, you know, there were very limited Christian um, organizations yeah. that, 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 that existed. And so we started experimenting with different, we, because there was a committee, like a, several board members who were assigned to me to help me think through this. And um, and we explored, experimented. I, within that time, I came to the States, did a summer camp, went back home. We tried that. It really wasn't working. And that's how we landed on rites of passage. Ah, good. I wanted to ask you so much about this. Because yeah. when I first met you yeah. and found out that professionally, like scholarly, yeah. as a scholar, yeah. you've done so much work on rites of passage. And I've been fascinated by that concept and have yeah. been convinced that it would be great. I would love to do a rites of passage for like from high school to college yeah. kids, but yeah. I'd like to take them to Israel, Palestine and wow. just present to them. Like these are the issues of the faith. And if you're coming into the faith, like here are all of our problems, here are all of our mysteries and here are the things that are certain. Like I can take you to a place and say, this is the actual place. Wow. And these are the mountains around you. But 
I've been fascinated by what the process of a rites of passage is because we don't do that in North America. Um, so talk about it. Please talk about it. And Cindy, you know, as soon as we first spoke, I said, I want to be part of that. I oh, want to good. be part want... of taking yes, people please. to Israel as a, as, a, as a rite of passage. Oh, good. Um, so everyone can hear it here on the podcast first. <laughs> <laughs> we are developing a new program. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yes, I love it. And, and what, it, what it is, is um, that a rite of passage will have a separation. You, you have to move away, especially when it's facilitated by communities, from, from time immemorial. A rite of passage meant being taken away from your community. Um, in a status, in a status that you, you're, you're moving from, a separation and go into what we call temporary community and be there and that's where transformation happens. And, and the thing about temporary communities, you go in, usually taken by a crisis and it could be the crisis of age or you know, yeah, the coming of age or, or whatever other numerous reasons somebody will leave home. I mean, this is the same uh, sort of motif of the hero's journey you know, right. if you go into Greek mythology. Um, and you go out and you have the guides, you have the, the facilitators of your transition and, uh, and, and, and transformation happens there. You, you ch have a ch mind change, a, sh a shift of, of, of mindset that gets you ready for your new status. And then through celebration, you re-enter community in your new status. Mm. So traditionally in, in, in the African context, people knew that that's what you did. Um, you you got you came of age and then you went you were taken away at the right time you went and had some sort of camp or separation of some of some kind and uh, they went anything from a couple of weeks to some tribes that would be away for seven years in really? separation in separation and uh, and then come back in celebration as an elder or whatever, uh, you know, it depends mm. on the different communities. But then you need the community that's waiting. You need a community waiting for you to return. You need a community to facilitate it. And that's, mm. I think, what I have found to be the biggest difference between concepts of rites of passage in this context vis-a-vis um, -vis in the African context. It made sense. And even when I say the African context, I want to say that not all parts of Africa can remember. Right, right. right. But there are parts of Africa that can remember. Uh, it's always facilitated by community. So you have a community that calls you out, takes you through the facility, you know, you, because you have to be pretty much a neoph neophyte, very obedient to the guides and to the facilitators because they're going to impart knowledge through ritual and through uh, teaching and through hardship and experiences. And then they are the ones who are your sponsors and take you back into into the community, in your new status. And then the rest of the community, I call it the interpretive community, they, they help you believe that you are now new because, um, you uh -huh. know, I think of uh, times even in our Christian rites of passage when the parents, we have parents come and, and pick their kids and celebrate their kids as, as, as they leave the camp and they sing songs like, oh, where did you take my children? I don't see any child here. I see an adult, you know. Uh, and that's all helping them inter interpret what has happened to right? them. Right. So and the community you return to has to believe oh, that has, you are this whole, new person. It's a whole community right. thing. Huh. It's a whole community yeah. thing. How do you bring concepts of rites of passage mm -hmm. into a North American context where we don't... 
Yeah. We kind of lost yeah. that tradition a long time ago, uh-huh. and it's not anything at the forefront of our minds, yes. even though it presents so much value. So how do you how do you bring that into your job here or into how do you help us teach us your wisdom? I have <laughs> in your ways. Not last week. We want to be like you. <laughs> that has been my desire right from the beginning. And of course, over the years, I've, li- I've had many knocks and, 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 you know, false starts. Within the East African context, and I know that that is true also of South Africa, and I work a lot in West Africa, and rites of passage are not as recognized there. And mm. I think it's just mm. been a lot of fracturing of traditional life yeah. by whatever history. It was very easy within my church for for us as uh, we, with my team that was sort of helping me work through how do we create a youth program that will will take advantage of the wilderness and experiential ed as I would call it to to, to for spiritual formation and uh, and the, and there was an anthropologist uh, that was actually an elder there. He he's the one who talked about rites of passage. What if we do rites of passage, Christian rites of passage? And so he started exploring it. Invited parents, all who have a memory of what rites of passage were, mm. but because of the radical break from traditional lifestyles right. that I was talking That's about, right. your earlier parents' on, generation, you could not. Huh. do rites of passage the traditional way because you had to pour libations, pour blood, and all sorts of things that uh, had no place in a Christian context. So we knew we needed to redesign. And I brought my little piece of, I know how to take kids out for a camp. Right. And the parents said, yeah, let's, let's do that. You take them out and here are some things that we'd like you to address when you're out there. And, and those are the humble beginnings. I, in, ni- in 1997, I believe it was, I went out with five boys. And, um, and we, 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 you know, stumbled and fumbled through what I thought we should do in a camp, including uh, just a, a stretching experience, because we're not going to take them out there to, to circumcise them. Because, right. you know, that's the term that, that comes to mind when you talk to Africans about uh, rites of passage a lot. It's, it's about circumcision. That wasn't what we were going to do because we're a church and it was a multicultural context and there were communities within the church that didn't have circumcision as a, as a rite of passage. So it had to be programming. Hmm. And the programming was stretch them to the limit and then make a connection with their parents. Because remember, they're the ones who helped design the very first one. And so they came to camp and then they took the kids home and they celebrated them well. And so I was beginning to name these things without even knowing what they were. And uh, the following year in 1998, uh, through just some, again, providential events that happened, a radio station had heard about this thing that we were doing in church and they invited me to talk and and then other churches were like what and by 1998 five churches said we want to send you our kids 99 more than you know five churches are like we want to send you our kids and our elders and leaders and Nairobi chapel are starting to say okay wait a minute we don't want kids from other churches to come to our church because huh? they're doing why not fine. though well, we don't, our job is not to steal kids from other oh, right. churches. Okay. You know, that, in that sense. But if they were handing them over for, for a, a period, short of, period time. of time. But they were wise um, enough to recognize that it was time to create an organization mm. that would stand alone. Right. And, uh, and so that was my next task was to start an organization to do this thing that we were guessing our way around. 
and uh, I didn't know how to how to go about it. And that brought me to the place where I thought, you know, at some point I need to educate myself about this. And um, that was part of my taking graduate students at Wheaton, uh, studies at Wheaton. Um, and I took cross intercultural studies and education programs. And uh, those were sort of the precursors to what I do now with the Outdoor Adventure Leadership Program. Went back with a clear understanding of how to train trainers to do this for themselves. So on going back home, that's what we did. We worked with uh, churches and trained them on how to do rites of passage for themselves. Here's what the concept of rites of passage was in, in, in you know, the best um, sort of um, word picture uh, that, that I think the African understood is instead of the traditional village, you're trying to create the church as the village. And uh, so the church what would have been facilitated by traditional uh, you know, leaders in a, in a village community that was ethnic was now the church being the village, the leaders, the inter inter intergenerational communities on that facilitates this transition. And the youth ministers are the ones who take the kids out as their sponsors and they do their rites mm. of passage. But they prepare the whole church for the transition back. And so the church celebrates very intentionally and receives these kids back and find them, finds them roles within the church uh, how they can, where they can serve now as no longer children. I, I used to say as adults, but they're not quite adults yet. Um, That's so amazing, though, because it's not just sending them off as yes. their process and yeah. their transformation. No, it is... As you keep they saying, it's be. a community thing. So Absolutely. it is our transformation altogether, right? Absolutely. So what I have found to be different, and uh, right from when I was uh, in the U.S. as a as a graduate student, working with you know, because I was already wrestling with these ideas and working with some churches, I found that the concept of rites of passage was embraced, but it was very nuclear family. Right. It was let's take our child and do this rite of passage thing, and sometimes even involve community and uh, bring in you know, people who have been active in his life, youth pastors and elders and so on. But it's my lone child alone. Right. And uh, working in a cohort was, is one of the things that was kind of hard to, to get going. Um, and, and that you need to sort of, there's a lot of agreement that needs to happen. First, you're doing it as a family, Intercultural, I mean, cross-culture, intergenerationally, but you also have to have a cohort that you're working with, mm. which, which means natural. you need another family willing to work Absolutely. with you and In willing for their this. child to go through the same process. Yeah, there are a few other churches that have uh, sort of started working at how to bring all these families together and get a community thing going that is yeah. a rite of passage. Uh, so I think there is hope, um, but. My biggest lesson really over time has been that you do need a uh, local, you need an, a, an, a person from the inside to be the champion of rites of passage. Right, right. Uh, so I was the champion in the Kenyan context and maybe in other parts of Africa, but I have not been, I, I don't think I carry enough authority within a different culture to come and say, mm. okay, here's what you're going to do. Everything from parents to church leaders to kids and have the authority um, uh, and, so and we need standing. local leaders to stand Absolutely. up and be willing to do it, but we need you as our wise guide. I can't wait to walk alongside, not the wise guy, but to continue learning <laughs> as, as to how to contextualize yeah, it uh, yeah. for, for, for this context. And I have to confess that in the Northwoods, I've not been able to gather 
the uh, the, 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 the momentum mm. uh, to to actually do it. That's why I say you need a champion who has uh, the gravitas, you right. know, to to be listened to and to and to help. And it's not just here. I think a lot of people will hear, but it takes huge changes uh, to set it up. And uh, and I just again lack the gravitas to, to, to create that kind of change. Um, so we have tried and uh, tried to build cohorts within the small churches that we and the youth group is a cohort. But then how do you go through the transition together? Right. Um, and the, the only place where it's actually worked out is 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 the Vanguard Gap Year program because then they have a cohort, and we are preparing. And then Honey Rock has figured it out. I see a lot more of the separation pieces being very intentional, mm -hmm. the liminal pieces of being here for a season, and uh, also the send-off is, is very, very intentional. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a cohort. They're going yeah. through this transformation together. And it's for a year. And right. they're having a taste into work life. They're, they're having a taste into college life by having amazing professors like you right. come and teach ah, them. Thanks, yes. And, uh, Full disclosure, <laughs> I just spent three days with these vanguards. Including your son. <laughs> He's they, doing very well, by and, the way. And they thought you're the coolest <laughs> professor they've ever seen in their lives. <laughs> and I, I'm dead serious about that. Um, and and uh, so they, they are being prepared in many ways for their next stage of life. And, and you know, and it's, it's not like a village where you go back to the village because some of them will go to trade school, some will go to college, and they'll be right. all over the place. Right. But the cohort will still live on. Yeah. And the send-off is still legitimate. And their parents will be parents. And their mentors that they're experiencing here will continue being mentors mm. for life, hopefully. Um, we've been doing this for five years here, and I, I can see it happening. Um, and I can see, I think I'm starting to see the first round of, of, of uh, vanguards now preparing to become the mentors for vanguards and ah, starting cool. to apply into graduate yeah, school and so right. on. Yeah. You talked about the how powerful the transformation was through Knowles yes. in Kenya. Yeah. Uh, but you find yourself again in a wilderness context, but it's completely different because it's yeah. North American, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, yeah. Northwoods. Um, how similar or different are those experiences? Because the context is so different, even if it is being seeped in the bigness of nature. Yeah. Um, the, probably the biggest difference is uh, the stage of life I'm at. I'm, mm. I'm at. Um, I am in my 50s and, uh, and preparing for the second half of life. I would say that the biggest impact being away from home and being here for the last six years ha has had on, on my world is to provide the liminal space for the transition from um, who I was back home. Uh, and I lost a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I want to say that, that there's a lot of loss that's involved in losing status uh, and coming mm -hmm. and sort of starting all over again. Uh, there's a loss of, of, of um, even my role. And that mm -hmm. was very intentional. I think it was God definitely drove me to that place because the ministries I was involved in in Kenya, other leaders had had come up and and um, I was trained to train leaders, and right. and uh, when they are, when they grow up, what do you do? You either get out or kick them out. Right. And I'm glad that they took over the ma the mantle of, of the programs that I was involved in. But it means you have to find a place to go. Yes. So the timing was perfect. I would not have named that. I would not have said, "Okay, Mo, it's time now to leave 
and go and and be another neophyte right. <laughs> you know, in yeah. a new context that's what this place has been for me and mm. i didn't name it until you know very recently i've been reading um richard raw and right. one of the yeah. people that i love to read and he has a book called falling upwards and um and it's one of the sl- slowest books i've ever read because it's been so impactful to me mm. and recognizing this is a transition mm. and i do not know uh, what the second half of my life is going to look like but i know i'm in a liminal space now let me be clear that it's also an absolute blessing i mean being here at, at hanirog being in the huiton college world has been a great platform not only for you know working with the students and and the people that i work with here but a great pat- platform for the world i'm i'm involved in 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 christian camping in different parts of the world and and this is a good platform it has mm-hmm. the it has the expertise it's um it's and it has the resources to and 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 the and the and actually the impetus the the, the yeah. desire to impact the rest of the world so it's been an amazing experience but it's also been a traumatic experience at the sure. same time yeah. we named that with my wife as well just recently we said you i think i think i think this has been extremely traumatic being here because she right. also lost her status as a worship pastor and right. and um and being a minority in this context again very very different um from what i would i would call the 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 otherness experience for most americans here in, right. in, the, in you know in the us uh, who have been minorities having come from a different country our experience is completely different but nevertheless it is a transitional space a right. liminal space yeah um and you can tell then that i think uh, like a rites of passage <laughs> right <laughs> a leader because then i you know my question is what is god forming me into mm. and mm. is that going to be here is that going to be in another place right. i do not know right so very long answer to the question you asked about what how it has the time here right. been right but yeah. it is it's it is it's fascinating though it uh because your Knowles experience yeah. in the outdoor ed was hugely transformation it like knocked you from one Absolutely. season to another and this seems to be knocking you from one, one season, season to, to another, another. And we just don't know what the other yes, one is I yet i don't know and even the Knowles experience oh i want to stay and watch i would <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, can i be there when, when you go we, to your next we, season <laughs> when we grow old and we are leading trips to israel we'll talk exactly about this. Okay. okay because it wasn't until years later that i could actually name the transformation that happened at at Knowles. why would a, a, somebody become a christian at Knowles? Hmm. that's that's not who they are you know and 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 they're, they're very um they're not not faith-based and 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 um and you don't go there to become a christian and yet i did uh, that's god's voice very loudly speaking mm. i could tell that but the bigger picture of the separation from my world before going into nolls as a liminal space uh and then going back to you know to my community back in nairobi as a as a pretty much as a church minister you know a ministry leader that was what nolls did for me mm-hmm. so i and i wouldn't have been able to name that until you know reflections many years later oh it's exciting to see what comes next yes we'll see <laughs> thank you pray thank you so much for sharing your story like so eloquently so beautifully and just bringing us into some of the hard parts of the story and the beautiful parts of the story i really appreciate it it's a pleasure thank you so much for <laughs> inviting you. me and having me
I'm really interested in how powerful a rites of passage ritual can be. And I was particularly struck with the need to have the whole community involved. I'm convinced a trip to Israel-Palestine for high school juniors and seniors before they go to college could really have a lasting impact on the lives of those young adults. But Mohea made me realize that we cannot develop something simply for the individual. The community needs to be involved for there to be a lasting impact. And I wonder if that community element might be one of the hardest barriers to overcome in our individualistic society. I'm going to keep thinking about this and talking with Mohea. And if we get a rites of passage trip designed, I'll let you know right here on this podcast and on my website. If any of you have brilliant rites of passage traditions in your family, I'd really love to hear from you. You can contact me through my website at www.narrativeofplace.com. And don't miss next week's episode. We will be moving out of these experiential education waters that we've been in for the last few episodes, and we're going to explore a feminist perspective on the book of Leviticus, which is not normally thought of as female-friendly. I'm so excited. Thank you to all my Patreon supporters like Brent Emery and David and Michelle Kaufman. They make episodes like this financially possible to produce. And thank you to Peter Lordson at Sycamore Sound. I hope all of you are staying safe and healthy. Oh, and a final request. Will you take about three seconds of your time and subscribe to this podcast and then rate this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen? Gaining additional ratings helps other people find the show. Thank you. And I'll see you at the podcast table next week.